0: Hey guys, thanks for joining us for this 146th episode in season two of good questions with Cameron Dole special guests on this episode include our weekly guest visit with Brandon Lang. We'll be talking about the NFL and college football games coming up this weekend. The rest of the show will all be from the archives, dug up an old hard drive, found some great classic interviews, thought we would share those with you today, including one from 2017 with none other than Paula Dean. We also visit with Norman Lear about the American Masters documentary on PBS, Norman Lear, Just Another Version of You. We also visit with rock artist Meatloaf about his album Braver Than We Are. We also visited with Ken Zhang about, uh, Dr. Ken that came from March of 2016 and also share one of my bucket list interviews with our good friend, Charlie Daniels. This interview from 2016, we talked about his album, Nighthawk, as well as his induction into the country music hall of fame. Of course, if you would please take the time to subscribe, comment, leave some feedback. Check out the shop and, of course, share with your friends. Now we changed the clocks this weekend, which means it's going to start getting darker earlier. And for a lot of people, it also means more nighttime snacking. And according to a new survey, 79% of Americans say their cravings for snacks increase when it gets dark earlier. And 9 out of 10 of us snack between dinner and going to bed. And here are the five foods we crave the most. Ice cream. Cookies, chips, popcorn, and candy. Every week we visit with our good friend, a sports picker extraordinaire and also podcast host, the Best Damn Sports Betting Podcast, period. We've got Brandon Lang on the line. And Brandon, always great to visit with you, sir.
1: Yeah, I'm just sitting here looking over the Rams in Houston from last week and and, and looking at the bad beat of a lifetime. I just can't get over it. Rams were minus 16 and a half and at the start of the fourth quarter they're up 38 nothing. You're thinking no problem. Wait to cash your ticket. Good to go and then literally with with two seconds to go. Yeah, so it's fourth quarter. 8 minutes to go. 38 nothing. Texans score touchdown. Rams go three and out, take a minute 45 off the clock. Houston gets the ball on their own 38. Four plays later, a 45-yard touchdown pass. Extra point good, 38-14. Then they onside kick. They get it, five minutes to go. Go down and drive and score second and goal at the nine with 2.35 to go. Go for two, get it. And the final score, 38-22, and the Texans cover the 16-and-a-half. How you doing? I mean, unbelievable that. And then Clemson returns a fumble for a touchdown with no time on the clock to cover the number against Florida State. I mean, it's just stuff that goes on in these games and my job, you just you just shake your head and say, Wow because you can't you can't make this stuff up, man. You just can't. Unbelievable.
0: That's right. Well, coming into this weekend, what are the, what are the big college games that stick out uh, on the schedule for you this Saturday and uh, leading up to the NFL as well?
1: Well, I like Louisville at home, plus the three and a half over Clemson. Like I said, it took a fumble return for a touchdown with no time on the clock for Clemson to get their first cover in two years. They had failed to cover every game this year. And I just, I put Clemson in the same class as the Kansas City Chiefs. Sometimes it's just so hard to accept the fall from grace when they've been so good for so long. But that's what's happened here. And I just think Clemson's going to have to reload and get after it. They're not going to a bowl game. Their season is pretty much over. I mean, they're sitting here, and, 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 and granted, they're 5-3, and, and they got games against, against Louisville. Then they play UConn, and they finish with Wake Forest and South Carolina. So technically speaking, they're not going to beat Wake. That's not happening. So if they lose to Louisville and wait, beat UConn, they'll be 6-5. and five. They'll finish 7-5. and five. Now, here's the question. Does Dabo Sweeney, after playing the BCS for who knows how long, is going to accept a, a bowl bid to the Firestone Bowl in Charlotte, North Carolina? That'll be the million-dollar question. Guys, yeah, you want to go play a bowl game? These players are going to be like, bro. We've been at BCS the last four years. You really think we want to go play in some minor little bowl games? Screw that. We're going, we're going home. So I like Louisville plus the points. And then I also like Wake Force plus the two and a half over North Carolina. Wake undefeated, put up 70 at Army. North Carolina's got no defense. High scoring game. And I think at the end of the day, Wake Force is a winning team. North Carolina figures out a way to lose games.
0: And who, as we like to talk about this each week, is who has uh, impressed you as of late the last couple of weeks? Maybe somebody that has uh, maybe turned things around from earlier in the season.
1: I wouldn't say turned things around, but Michigan State coming back in the fourth quarter to be Michigan. And speaking of Wake, Kenneth Walker transferred from Wake to go to Michigan State, and now he's probably going to win the Heisman Trophy. Um they got a tough little game at Purdue, but I was really impressed with Michigan State and their resilience in that game. And if they get by Purdue, um, you're basically looking at a huge showdown down the road against the Buckeyes of Ohio State. I mean, it's just it's going to be interesting to see as this Big Ten plays out where, where they're at because for Michigan State, they finish at Ohio State next week after playing Maryland at home so they still have Ohio State on the road and Penn State at home so they're not out of the woods yet but that was for me it's going to be for me it's really going to be interesting down the stretch how this Big 10 plays out
0: now, the NFL uh, got underway last night. The Colts uh, victorious over the Jets. Uh, oh, most folks are as well, Brandon. What, are, what, what does that set uh, the tone for the weekend NFL-wise?
1: I know Derrick Henry's out. You're getting value. I'll take the Titans plus the 7.5 over the Rams. I like the Bengals minus 2.5 over the Browns. And last but not least, you're going to tell me that you're the Las Vegas Raiders and one of your teammates. Your most likable teammates, probably one of the most likable guys on the team, is doing a buck 57 on a side street in Vegas on Rainbow Boulevard, breaks to 127, hits the back of a Toyota RAV4, and kills a woman and his dog, NFL career over, probably going to spend 10 to 15 years in prison for murder, vehicle manslaughter. Now you're going to tell me you've dealt with that for four days, you're going to get on a plane, you're going to fly to New York, and you're going to be 100% focused to play a football game. I just don't see it. Give me the Giants plus the three-and-a-half over the Raiders.
0: That's right. And, of course, uh, Brandon, want to make sure and uh, remind folks about uh, the latest episode of the podcast coming up as well.
1: Yeah, we're going to drop one finally. Uh, we've, been, we've been off for a couple of weeks, so people have been chomping at the bits of the best damn sports betting pod, period. we got that going on. And, of course, BrandonLane.com, a handicap is doing a great job. It's, it's where you want to go to win.
0: That's right. Well, Brandon, always great to visit with you, sir. Here's to a successful weekend.
1: Yeah, you too. By the way, in your your pool there, buddy. After after uh, being humble, you'll bounce back, baby.
0: All right. In this segment, it is time for some nerd news, where we cover the most important news for your brain that you may have missed. Here's a quick rundown of this week in science. First off, a new study found that the biggest whales in the world eat about three times more than we thought. A single blue whale can consume 20 to 50 million calories a day, or the equivalent of 80,000 Big Macs. Second, in other animal news, two California condor chicks hatched from unfertilized eggs so they can reproduce asexually without mating, which is something we didn't know. Third, in space news, astronauts grew peppers on the space station for the first time and used them to make tacos. And Sam Adams has a new limited-edition beer called Spacecraft, made with hops that orbited the Earth on a SpaceX mission in September. And finally, a study found that if we got rid of daylight savings time, it might actually be bad for our health. Waking up when it's dark out isn't good for us. It messes with our sleep patterns, so if we didn't fall back this Sunday, our internal clock would be confused for three full months instead of a few days twice a year. Very excited to have the Queen of Southern Cuisine, Paula Dean, on the line with us. And first off, Paula, thank you so much for taking some time to be on the show. Oh, Cameron,
2: well, thank y'all for having me. Uh, I'm just thrilled to be dropping into
0: Oklahoma. Now, of course, uh, talking about uh, Positively Paula, it's uh, available on Dish, U2 America, and streaming on Roku. And uh, how much fun is it for you to be able to share your love of food with with viewers and readers uh, worldwide?
3: You know,
2: Cameron, that's hard to put into words. Uh, You know, you never know. Uh, i stand in front of that camera and i look into that camera lens but you never have any idea how many people you're affecting and uh when i go out when i'm in airports and people come up to me and say oh gosh Polly, you saved my life when i was going through chemo uh you brought a smile to my face uh in a in a hard hard time and you know so you just have no idea uh, what is going on in people's lives that might be watching your show and it's it's very humbling very very humbling and you know it, it's my my goal is to um, is to just ask people to sit back 30 minutes and forget everything that's aggravating them <laughs> or stressing and just sit back and relax and laugh and have a good time with me.
0: How important do you see food playing a role in, in people's happiness as well? I mean, it, it seems to bring back memories oh, for I so like many.
2: Right. Yes. Uh, food is a common denominator between all men and, uh, you know, we all have to have to five. And uh, I know when my husband calls himself going on his diet, He's grumpy. <laughs> he is grumpy. <laughs> so food definitely uh, can feed your soul as well as your belly. You know, it uh, it stirs up memories when people come to our restaurant. Uh, I know one day I walked down on the floor, Cameron, and a grown man, he was a little older than myself, and he was crying. I saw tears rolling down his face. And I walked over and I put my arm around him and I said, Sir, are you all right? Is everything all right? And he looked up at me and he said, I thought I would never taste my mother's food again. Mm, And he said, come in here. I have tasted her food again (laughs) and I can't thank you enough for that gift. So to me, that's powerful.
0: Do you have a particular maybe go-to recipe or a go-to comfort food that uh, that, that really sticks out that is one of your favorites that you, you can always, like I said, it, it's your go-to, if you will?
2: Well, I, that would probably have to be fried chicken mm-hmm. and uh, a biscuit. I have uh, out there the most incredible biscuit mix you've ever put in your mouth, and all you have to do is add buttermilk to it, and it... It makes biscuits that take you back to your Mm -hmm. great-grandmother. They are melt-in-your-mouth delicious biscuits. Uh, So that's definitely a a go-to. I had the pleasure of having house guests this weekend that are from up north, and we were celebrating her last uh, radiation therapy from breast cancer and they had never really had a Southern meal, so I I cooked country fried steak, rice and gravy, collard greens that I grew in the yard, uh, fresh butter beans and okra, deviled eggs, biscuits, and I served it along with the figs that I grew in my yard, fig preserves, mm-hmm. oh. and was the eggs come from my chickens, and uh, for dessert, I did a pear cobbler, you know, and we grew the pears here. So uh-huh. uh, that was, that was um, so rewarding to me to be able to serve those new friends,
3: you know, a true Southern meal.
0: Do you find yourself getting nervous when you have to prepare? Like, like you said, they were from the North and hadn't really had a Southern meal. Do you still have nerves when you're in the kitchen cooking?
2: No. No, (laughs) no, because uh, unless they're from Mars, they're going to enjoy our southern food, (laughs) you know, regardless of where they come from, because it's mama's, it's
0: mama's food. Now, of course, uh, you, can, you can watch Positively Paula, like we said, on uh, Dish, on U2 America, on uh, streaming on Roku as well, and also, uh, y- y- you've got a new cookbook as well.
3: I do.
2: Uh, 20 years ago, I self-published uh, my first little cookbook, and it, it was out like two weeks when a big um, literary house out of New York bought, came in and bought the rights to that book. And so there was only 5,000 in print, and it, it um, kind of rather quickly uh, <laughs> went on the endangered species list, you might say. And I know uh, someone paid like $2,000 for one on, online. Uh, so it, w- it has been my dream for years to reproduce that cookbook and uh, make it more available to, to other people that wanted it. So it's, it's back, and it's called Favorite Recipes of the Lady and Her Friends, my very, very first cookbook. And we've got pictures of the cover that we did 20 years ago, and we've got an updated cover. And on the back, there was a picture of the boys and me uh, shot in front of this tree 20 years ago. Well, my son went back and found that tree, and we recreated that picture <laughs> 20 years later. And uh, it, it's just a great cookbook. It, it was good enough that, um, that it was bought, like I said, by a big house. And uh, we realized, too, that a lot of the recipes didn't make it into the remake. Mm-hmm. So we were really happy about something uh opportunity you know
0: to re- reprint this that's right well uh, of course uh excited to get get a copy of that one uh i'm the cook in our house so uh, i've followed a lot of your recipes appreciate oh, are you? <laughs> yes i am and and i tell you i i appreciate your smile and uh, the way that you truly <laughs> bring happiness to so many people and again thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show well
2: thank you cameron Uh And like I said, I so appreciate you having me in. And, you know, I just want to take the opportunity to send everybody love and best dishes out there.
0: Well, Daylight Saving Time ends this Sunday morning at 2 a.m. The good news is that you gain an hour and get an extra hour of sleep that night. The bad news is that it's more clock changing and Americans, we're over it. In a new poll, 63% of people want to eliminate Daylight Saving Time forever. Just 16% want it to continue and 21% aren't sure, probably because they don't remember why we're even doing it in the first place. Now, The idea, ages ago, was to align waking hours to daylight hours, but with technological advances and globalization, it has seemingly become more disruptive than beneficial. And get this, Democrats and Republicans, they agree. Exactly 67% of both parties would cancel the clock changing, while just about 15% of both want to keep it. And a majority of every age group wants daylight savings time tossed. Except young people ages 30 and under, where only 42% agree. Now for what it's worth, if daylight saving time did stop, 48% of people would prefer that we keep the word spring forward hours for a later sunset. Can't say enough how how excited I am to have Norman Lear on the phones with us this morning and uh, first off, Mr. Lear, it is great to have the chance to visit with you this morning.
4: Thank you. I I just love being here.
0: Now, uh got a news a new um American Masters—that's going to premiere nationwide coming up on Tuesday, October twenty-fifth, on right. PBS. And uh, as PBS has been doing these, these—I think this is number twenty-eight in the in the series. And to be involved with that, and to uh, to have them come to you and want to do a celebration of your career, what is what is that like to to know that they took the time and and wanted to include you into that? Well,
4: they they not only took the time, but they had uh, two remarkable women, Rachel Grady and uh, Heidi Ewing, to uh, produce and direct. And when I met these women who had already done a half a dozen uh, documentaries that I, over the years, I just adored. These women are considerably younger than I, but they have been at it, uh, that is making documentaries for some years. And I was just thrilled with their ideas and their plans. And I think what your audience will see is uh, a kind of life story. They uh, in, on film. They haven't. It's fresh. It's uh, extremely ingenious and, and uh, very different from anything I've ever seen. And you've been it's in... my life, but it's their film.
0: That's right. It's, uh, it's just another version of you, <laughs> and uh, Norman. You've you've been involved with with so many groundbreaking series that uh, to have your hands on, and uh, back in the seventies and, and and early eighties, and to to see those still being fresh and and relevant today as well. Uh, you you kind of push the boundaries, and uh, I, I wonder if maybe that's something that, uh, that that folks need to be doing a little bit more of.
4: Well, you know the. It, if I push the boundaries in those shows, wait till you see what Grady and, uh, and Ewing, the the boundaries they pushed in making this film. It's not like any other biography I've seen. And uh, I, I couldn't be prouder of it.
0: And like we said, uh, pushing boundaries. And actually, it was—I uh, know that you kind of took a step back from television production for for several years, and and got into some some other works as well. That I know that are near and dear to your heart. Uh, that 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 you actually have gone out and and pursued other ventures as well. And uh, tell the listeners if they, if they didn't know where you went, uh, obviously you had uh, had some things that you were pushing for as well.
4: Started when I was a kid, as you will see in the film, or as you may have read in uh, my book, uh, my father went to prison when I was nine years old, and uh, it was at the same time that uh, a guy by the name of Father Coughlin, a a priest uh, with a major radio audience, who uh, was politically uh, crazed, I think, and uh, he was uh, anti, he was very racially, unsound, and anti-Semitic. So I'm a Jewish kid, nine years old, my dad is gone, and this guy is telling me the world hates, uh, hates Jews. And uh, my saving grace was in public school, they had civics lessons. And I was learning about a Constitution, a Bill of Rights, a Declaration of Independence that said no, no, That is not the American way. The American way doesn't say you're a good or a bad Christian, depending on your political point of view, or that you have to be a Christian to get to heaven, you know, that we are all God's children. Anyway, I took that. I needed it so, and it was there for me. And kids don't have that anymore, and it hurts like hell. And I fight every way I can to get civics back to learn what really is important about our country, those promises we've made to one another about our mutual safety and, and, and soundness. So long as we are Americans, we are, uh, we're not equal runners and we're not equally pretty. and we're not, <laughs> But under the law, we enjoy the same safeguards.
0: And how important was that as, as producing the shows that you were involved in, the, the Jeffersons, Maude, uh, the Sanford and Son as well, to, to show the diversity but also the, the, the opportunity that we should all receive as well?
4: Right. Well, that's basically what, the, what all those shows were about. They were about family, love of family, closeness of family. And, and, uh, but that family includes the family of man. And uh, and if the shows were about anything, it was about our common humanity. You know, the title of my film comes from my bumper sticker, which has for some years read just another version of you, because that's the way I feel. We are versions of one another.
0: That is right, and 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 Norman, how important do you think it is? I, I know that we've come a long ways, but I know there's still a lot of work to be done in, in in diversity of 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 all all aspects of life as well.
4: Well, I think we've taken a few steps back, where uh, where racial harmony. Uh, ex- you know, when you take a look at what has happened with the LGBT community, the giant steps. This country has taken to, uh, to uh, you know, to insist that that part of our community is as safe as any other part of the community under the law, but we haven't succeeded in our economics, in our housing, in our uh, in our humanity, uh, in making uh, skin color not matter, in making uh, ethnicity. Not matter, we are human beings, all of us, and some of us are Americans, and we need to treasure both in in a in a, in a common way.
0: That's right. Now, a lot of folks may not may not realize uh, that uh, you are actually still working as an executive producer, and uh, a- actually have a new reimagined Latino version of One Day at a Time that's going to be out on Netflix uh, coming up in January as well.
4: January being uh, a new era, Netflix, uh, at 12.01 in the morning across the globe, uh, this show will appear, and, uh, and all 13 of them, so by Wednesday they will know how many people may have binged and watched all 13, ready now for a new year. <laughs>
0: That is right. That is right. And and you you talk about the the streaming services, and actually that has allowed me to to teach my eleven year old, who is an avid Sanford and Son fan, and that uh, just absolutely loves that. And it allows you to get to some of your work out to an extremely different audience than before.
4: I I love that eleven year old because I love Fred Sanford. Fred Sanford, he made. Uh, you, You know, if he makes this kid laugh, uh, I think that's the gifts of gifts. I'm 94 years old because I've laughed all my life. I'm so confident of that.
0: That's right. And again, uh, the, the the new American Masters, Norman Lear, just another version of you, uh, premieres Tuesday, October 25th on PBS and also going to be available on Blu-ray, DVD and digital HD as well that day. And Norman, it has truly been my honor and privilege to visit with you this morning. Looking forward uh, to the to the upcoming documentary. And uh, again, thank you so much for your time.
4: You're welcome, Cameron. You didn't enjoy it one bit more than I did.
0: Turkey is synonymous with Thanksgiving, but let's be honest, the sides are what make the meal. But what if you could only have one side, which would you choose? Well, someone pored over Google Trends data to put together a breakdown of the most popular Thanksgiving side dishes in each state. And not surprisingly, people love their potatoes. Mashed potatoes were number one in nine states. Baked potatoes were number one in three, and six more had variations like hash brown casserole, sweet potato casserole, and cauliflower mashed potatoes, which was the number one side in Delaware. Now, rolls were number one in four states. Green beans and collard greens topped the list in three states apiece, and stuffing was also number one in three states, which seems low. Now, other number one sides include charcuterie trays, macaroni and cheese, creamed corn, cornbread, stuffed mushrooms, salad, gravy, and glazed carrots, which were number one in Rhode Island. Meatloaf on the line with us. And first off, uh, Meatloaf, thank you so much for taking some time to be on the show. Oh, no problem.
5: I said to you before we started flashback Friday am I a flashback and you said I'm a flashback <laughs> and I want to know why you are a flashback
0: because the music uh, uh, that that brings me back to my day was uh, the 80s the 70s the, uh, the early 90s and so uh, that's yes, what...
5: okay then you're a flashback
0: <laughs> that is right that is right and uh, I know you got uh...
5: for, I'm, I'm really not a flashback because we just put out a great great record all braver than we are that is completely different than anything else that's out there and we did it on purpose we started doing the stuff like we did on bat 2 or bat of the hell and things and I said to Jim this is boring and uh, I want to do something completely different like we did on bat and he totally agreed and that's what we did And uh, and I said well People are either going to love this record or they're going to hate it. And people love it. And I get other people that write to me, this record sucks. And I take the time to write them back and say, you know what? You heard the record, but you didn't listen to it. So I would recommend to you that you listen to it four times. And by the fourth time, you're going to change your mind.
0: And what is it what is it about the new album that uh, that you think touches such a chord with the listeners
5: it, it, I, I, you know what I can't explain it, but I know because i've heard I literally have heard this record I still listen to it and it's been out since september um, there's something there, it, it got swing over fairy dust somehow. It is, it, it is magical. And it, it will literally, like the Wizard of Oz, take you, if you give it the time, and you give it, you know, people want everything easy. This is not an easy record. It wasn't easy to do. It's not, it's something that you have to listen to once you hear it and once you get on that journey, on that road, you you you're gonna love it. Uh but there's just a lot of people that go, Oh, it sucks and I'm just going, Well, you want an instant gratification and I, I'm I'm not the artist that's gonna give you that.
0: And 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 what is it about the? the I think that's exactly right about the, the the new listeners out there with with social media, the internet, and everything. Everybody's looking for something that's going to grab them right away. As you have progressed in your music over the years, um, what have you learned from your previous recording processes as that you added to? Braver than we are, and uh, and put yourself so much on the line with it. Well,
5: I put my I put myself on the line, really with uh, Hang Cool Teddy Bear, Hell in the Handbasket, um, Braver Than We Are, I'm always wanting to change. I never want, I, I, I'm like a painter. Uh, I, I, I want to find a new subject to paint. I don't want to, you know, a, a painter would never, a real artist would never paint the same flower over and over again and uh, I think that's why I like Bruno Mars uh, because you never know what he's going to do you you literally
0: never know what he's going to do that is right and, uh, and I,
5: I and I like that um, you know back in the old days you know what the cream was going to do you knew what Henry was going to do You didn't always know what job was going to do. But I have always wanted to be... I'm at heart an actor. So you have to have a different character. You're in a different play. You're a different character. You're a different human. And so I've taken that into the records. Every song is a character. This entire record was sung as a 19-year-old.
0: Because That's... the first song is the first song that
5: Jim Steinman ever wrote when he was 19. So when we we started the record once, we threw it out, we started again, I said, I didn't tell Jimmy, I didn't tell anybody, and I didn't want this record to have tracks, and I was forced to. And I was forced to by Spotify, and then Spotify doesn't even have it on their their little playlist. So I'm. i as soon as I I finish all these today. I've got a conference call with my managers, and I want to know what the hell's going on. So um, I wanted this to be one continuous piece of music. And he said, and I I went out and met with the president of Apple of iTunes, and he said, uh, I got to have tracks. I said, you got Mozart on here. He goes, Yeah, probably. I said, well, he didn't have tracks. You're going to call him and tell him to get tracks? And he laughed. And he said, yeah, but you're here and you need tracks. So I want to I do the record over and, 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 and make it what I wanted it to be was a symphony. I'm, very, I'm a different artist. I, I, I want to be as original and as different every time as possible.
0: That's right, and the, the new album, Braver Than We Are, by Meatloaf, and uh, of course, M- Meatloaf, they can and always... different and unusual. <laughs> that, that is right, that is right. Now, uh, where can people keep up with information about not only the album, but uh, also if, if you're going to be around the local area as well, uh, where can they uh, find more information on touring?
5: Well, okay, we weren't going to talk about health, but I had Spinal Fusion, and it is a bitch. And um, I try not to take painkillers unless the pain is like like sending me to the roof. But with that, I'm in pain constantly, and uh, I'm I have six months of rehab to go through. So I'm like I'm like I had to cancel two tours. I'm supposed to be on tour in Europe right now. And uh, it's like uh, I'm beside myself. I have been working constantly since 1967 until uh, we went to in Canada. And it became so painful, my back in Canada, that the last three shows, I have no idea how I did them. I have no idea how I walked out there. And uh, I felt horrible for the audience. I, I mean, I could sing, but it was like I couldn't move like I like to move. And uh, I, I was I was in tears at the end of shows because I felt I let the audience down, and I and I I can't stand that. Stand letting the audience down. The audience is, the the audience and the fans are the most important. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them.
0: That and is right. I know that. That is right.
5: And, and I'm I'm a plumber. I'm their plumber. Uh, that's how I, that's how I, people go. What do you do? I go. I'm a plumber. Uh, and I I come and I fix your pipe. I give you I, I fix your pipe good. I give you a fair price. And when you got something else, then you come. You call me again. Well, I've been. That's why I've been able to sell out. You know, every show, uh, there's very few, maybe 10 shows in, well, not 40 years, but 39 and a half years that have not been sold out.
0: Well, Meatloaf, again, I I appreciate your time and uh, look forward to, uh, I know the healing will take place. I know exactly what you're going through. Uh, Thoughts and prayers to you as you go through that. And again, check out the new album, Braver Than We Are. Meatloaf, thank you so much for your time this morning. Oh, thanks,
5: and thanks for having me on (laughs) Flashback.
0: Now, this is one of those stories where drugs had to be involved, right? A postal worker in Bridgeport, Connecticut, was out delivering mail on Monday when a 56-year-old guy named Wilson Ortiz robbed her. Now, he walked up to her mail truck and pulled a gun. But he didn't want the mail she was delivering or even her wallet. All he wanted was rubber bands. Now, he told her to give him all the rubber bands she had. Now, mail carriers have lots of them, apparently, and the post office uses them to keep our mail organized before it's delivered. Now, she was worried he might shoot her, so she didn't ask questions. She just gave him a big handful and he took off on foot. There was also a teenage boy with him, but it doesn't sound like he's in any trouble. Well, Cops tracked Wilson down nearby and knew they had their man because he had a big wad of rubber bands wrapped around one of his wrists. They also found a small amount of PCP in his pocket. Now He's facing charges for robbery, possession of a controlled substance, and child endangerment. Ken Zhang from Dr. Ken, and first off, Ken, thanks for taking some time again this week.
6: Ah, uh, thanks, Cameron. I just wanted to, I just kind of wanted to share this week's episode with you, and and um, thank you for always being so cool.
0: Well, I tell you, the episode coming up, I know that this is near and dear to your heart as well, the storyline. And uh, share with the folks just a little bit, uh, the episode is actually called Dickie Wexler's Last Show. And uh, what was the uh, inspiration behind the writing of this episode?
6: Well, uh, I'm I'm one of the writers and exec producers of Dr. Ken, as you just said. And this is my favorite episode of the series and also one of my favorite things I've ever done in my career. This is based on... um, Based on my experiences as a real life doctor taking care of patients with cancer, also based on my uh, wife's uh, fight against breast cancer, I'm proud to say she's seven years cancer free. And this is it, it, it's, but also it's it's um it's even more universal than that. It was it wasn't written by me. This episode, and this episode, also the writer of this episode also, um, used his own experiences in this episode. In, in, in this in this particular episode. And that's what I like about it. It's not, it's not just like a Ken Jung personal journey. It's a, it really is. Y- you feel like it's written for everybody. And, and this is Ken's favorite patient, um, in the show is a old school Friars Club comedian named Dickie Wexler, kind of a, kind of a Don Rickles, kind of kind of, kind of a guy who has one, who has a big show coming up to perform and his cancer has returned. And Ken, has to uh, deal with like telling him he can't while Dickie's in the hospital. But you know he can't do it. You can't do that show. And, and but also Ken knowing that um, that that his condition is terminal and he may not he may not come out. He, he may not uh, he may not survive very long. And so there, it's a very touching episode. But but the fact that the character is a old school stand up comic, they're still great jokes, you know, and there's a lot of comedy to be had at the same time where there's a lot of tragedy and the blending of the comedy and the tragedy. And and it it makes for such a heartfelt, genuine, you know, emotional episode that uh, it became bigger than what I thought it would be. Uh, What I wanted was something kind of a personal story that has become even more universal and touching. So if anyone... Has a loved one with cancer? Anyone with cancer, you know, they will understand this episode, and and it's for them. And it's really, uh, it's just one of the. It's one of the. It's one of the most amazing things I've ever been a part of in my career, and um, just very grateful to the writer Eric Summers, the showrunner Mike Seidowitz, and the and the actor playing Dickie Wexley named George Weiner. Uh, it, it was. It really was. Um, uh, just such a moving experience you know basically just had a call and tell you about it <laughs>
0: and there you go and uh, of course dealing with cancer well one of the things uh so many when they're dealing with that dealing with the depression dealing with the uh, the the unknowns but uh, th- this show also gives an opportunity like you said to bring in a little bit of humor and uh to to bring in a smile a laugh or anything like you can do for uh somebody dealing with cancer that can that can play such a, a, a physical role for them as well
6: yeah and what i liked about it the 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 cancer patients clearly suffering and then i mean there's a moment where Ken's, li- Ken's listening to kind of an old album of his act. And, you know, so there's genuine moments and tears are being shed while there's Hooker and Vegas jokes, you know? <laughs> so it's really, there are moments that are,
1: the fact that the,
6: the, the episode itself is genuinely funny and and some just great jokes, great moments of comedy, plus the emotional telling of the story, Ugh, it just... Because they're great jokes in the episode, it just makes it that much more, that much more touching, you know. It's like the heart of it, it's like the heart of the jokes are, you know, the more you cry, it's it's kind of amazing.
0: That's right. And, of course, Dr. Ken, uh, we, we've told you, uh, 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 local time on ABC, Dr. Ken. And, uh, Ken, I tell you, I, I enjoy having you on each and every time. I love your heart and uh, the, the way you put yourself out there as well. And as as a doctor yourself and uh, going through these experiences, uh, th- did that bring back some memories for you that, uh, that that made this episode maybe a little bit more difficult as well?
6: Yeah, it did. As, and not just as a spouse of a cancer survivor, but, yeah, just after, because dealing with patients, um, you know, uh, with cancer and patients who have passed away from cancer. Um, yeah, it, it, every day during rehearsal, you know, uh, I was crying. So it was it was a it was a difficult
0: one. Well, I I know the last week when we talked, uh, I asked you for some insight on Dave. Well, uh, Dave gave me a little insight on you as well. Last week when I spoke to him, and uh, I, I didn't realize, but you're kind of like the show starter. You're the guy that gets up there, and uh, you're like the stand-up comic, as uh, to to kind of bring the live audience to life.
6: Yeah, I, I, every taping I go out um, before we begin, and I, I talk to the audience. I get up there and the audience stands, and and I basically warm up the crowd and get them going, and and it's um, you know it's it, it's a lot of fun. And Dave also will participate in it from time to time. He, Both he and I will come up on stage together. So, um, you know, again, Dave Foley, one of my comedy heroes, and also I'm proud to say one of my good friends. He's just a good person.
0: That's great. And uh, like you, we, we've said so many times before, a great cast, and uh, and you can see the camaraderie it comes across on the screen as well. And uh, most definitely uh, uh, an episode you don't want to miss uh, tomorrow evening, 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 local time, Dickie Wexler's Last show on Dr. Ken on ABC. And uh Ken Jong, it is always great to visit with you. And uh well don't make it so long until we talk again.
6: Yes, sir. Thank thanks again. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Cameron. Thank you. Thanks so much for thanks from so much for the love and support and then also just the genuine the the, the genuine conversations we have because I, I do believe in, in just in life, not just in radio and TV. Conversation's a lost art and I appreciate I just appreciate you being so cool.
0: Now, believe it or not, there are people who really enjoy exercising, but for the rest of us, it would be a dream to never have to work out again. So what would you be willing to give up to never have to work out again? In a new poll, 34% said that they would hand wash all their dirty dishes for the rest of their life. Now, okay, that's rough, but I'm definitely considering it. Now 33% said that they'd stay with the in-laws for a long weekend, 29% said they'd reconnect with a high school bully, hmm. 25% said that they would text an ex, and 25% said they'd cancel Netflix for a year. Now is it just me, or do all those things seem little, like kind of like sweet deals? Even if you like exercising, you might be enticed.
7: To make them. Uh, there's, there's a sort enough of culture uh, that goes on out in the west of these big ranches that they have the cowboys that, that take care of the cattle. And I wanted to write a need an album? I wanted to do an album about their their life and their work. And so it took me a lot of years to find enough songs to get that genre to be able to do it. But when I finally did, I got around to get it done it. that's one of my favorite kids on the album which is called Night Hall. And like you said
3: you've been doing songs for so long how long
7: has it been in the for you? You know, I really don't remember exactly because I've it's not been something I just kind of, you know, really consciously thought about. It. I just always knew that one of these days when I got the socks to do it, I was going to do an album. And I just kind of would grab one and put it back and kind of forget it back. But I'm going to say 10 or 15 years probably that I've been, you know, just grabbing a song off when I hear one. That, and I didn't want something that had been recorded to death for the most part. We did a few very with bigger songs, like those Riders and Sky and that sort of paper. Most of them were, uh, some, up to some of them, some of them a little bit off year and they have
3: not really been done before, so it's, uh, it, it was just an idea that it's time it come. It's not going to to get done. That's right. And of course, it's surely uh, being inducted uh, into the, 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 the country music all of same as well. And what, what does that mean to you whenever you look at your career and do you think that you've had a lot other artists as well to, to be recognized with uh, that with induction? It's hard to even
7: articulate that I'm not really assimilated in Hawaii yet. It's like when when uh, the you know, president CMA told me that I was going to be inducted, I literally had to stop and think that she really said what I thought she did. She actually said I was going to be inducted at in the Music Hall. thing? It took me a, a, a little time just to to grasp it, and I'm still I'm still kind of there. It's just such an incredible honor. I, I never knew if it would even happen at all. I never knew something it would ever happen in my lifetime. So it's a double blessing.
3: I am very thankful that uh, the Lord has blessed me with this this tremendous blessing. And it's also offered you an opportunity and a platform, if you will, to do so much for others, both in the music industry, but also you've got the volunteer team coming up as well. And you've got to be
7: kind of along the lines of the big birthday that you up Well, it definitely has a lot of lives. A big birthday. I'll be 80 years old, actually, in October. But we decided uh, to do the jam this year. This is the 45th anniversary of Volunteer Jam, and we decided to do it. So we decided that one day after you're only 81, so we'll just extend the birthday time and go in and, uh, and celebrate the birthday at the same time. So that's what we're doing. Volunteer Jam slash 80th birthday party.
3: And for so many people to to have taken up the cause with you as well, what does that mean for you to be able to get other people's lives and have so many artists that have
7: come into you? Well this is uh, we we have everybody. We've had everybody I saw everybody, we've almost everybody in the at one time that's been there very long, to volunteer jam and this year is just it's incredible lineup. We got Marty Cable guy. We've got Chris Stapleton, the Kid Rock, and Travis Tritt, and uh, I said, "Who am I missing?" We just added Luke Bryan. Uh, we've got some other folks that are going to be at as we go along. It's going to be it's going be a, a flail of a show. It's going to be as good a show as we have ever done in all these 42 years,
3: and I am extremely looking forward to it. And Joe. whenever you see the folks <laughs> that are lining up to to join in with.
7: You, you know, uh, you, you just, you kind of play your music and kind of see where it lands, you know, see what it does. Of course, I never looked at my career so much. I uh, wanted longevity. I want to be around for a long time because I enjoy what I do so much. But I never really thought about, gosh, I'm going be doing this when I'm 80 years old. You know, you don't think about that when you're 35. But uh, it, it, now that it has gotten that far, I will tell you how I feel. I feel very... Very humble. The night that I was inducted in the Grand Ole Opry, I told her, Ground, the Bible says God will give you the desires of your heart. Do you see that come true on this stage tonight? Because it is one of the deep desires of my heart ever the Grand Ole Opry happen. And that's kind of the same thing here. It's, a, it's another blessing to the Lord. is to the stone. Me and I am extremely grateful for it. And obviously, one of the biggest that the one thing to
3: probably know for more the that went to. Is a favorite of so many. Is that one of your personal favorites, or? I always like to ask artists what one of their personal
7: favorites is. Well, you know, how could it not uh, be? yeah, I like that song a lot. I get you know, we so I don't you get tired of playing it. No, I don't. I get a chance to play it better tonight than I did last night, better tomorrow night than I did tonight, and I've never played perfect yet. So, you know, we're just I just I love playing all our songs, even the ones we've been playing for thirty years. I still enjoy playing them every night.
3: And Charlie, who was it whenever you were getting started, was <laughs> there anybody that really did what you became as an artist and as a songwriter as well? There were a lot of people. There were so many people.
7: But when I came along, back out of 1930, the 30s in 1936, and regular stations weren't very as many as there are right now. They were not formatted for one kind of music. They played every kind of music, they played the country music. And, in the proper music of day, which at one time was, it was uh, big bands, and of course, gospel, where I got the blues, dance the southeast, I got smattered of all of it. And then about the time that Elvis and Carl Perkins and those guys started to come along, we got the, the rock type stuff. So I was exposed to so many different kinds of music when I came along, I'd be hard pressed and they. One person, you know, that that had actually had a huge uh, impact on me, but I would have to say I think I think Elvis Presley has had an impact on everybody who's come along since he started. I
3: think that's right. I think that's right. Again, the new album is is available, and Charlie, to opportunity to tell folks where they can pick up the new album as
7: well. you should be able to pick it up in stores. So you can just go to CharlieDaniel's.com, our website, and we've got. Uh, yeah,
3: to know about, a and a place, don't even
0: care about Well, thanks again for joining us for this one hundred and forty-sixth episode of season two of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. If you ever have a comment, a question, anything else you'd like to know, you can hit me up on the contact page at GQWithCam.com. You can also find me on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook at GQWithCam. If you'd like to help out in the funding for this podcast, you can visit our merch store where we've got hoodies, shirts, tumblers, mugs, stickers, and more GQWithCam.com forward slash shop. And if you have a special guest idea, you can email me GQWithCam at gmail.com. Dot com. Well, thanks again to our good friend Brandon Allen for coming up with our theme music. We're going to let him play us out, and hope you guys have a great rest of your evening. Thanks for joining us and uh, sharing some great, memorable interviews that I've had. The uh, it's great privilege to do.